We were instructed to catch this guy saying something that would incriminate him. Not just incriminate him or catch him, more like set him up, I'd say. Our drama helps us to imagine the thoughts and motives of those who are in this week's Bible story. It helps us to picture the story more clearly. The main character in this week's drama is a Herodian. Now, Herod's Rome. Those who, who supported Herod, they were called Herodians. He, along with some Pharisees, is one of the instigators of this public test or challenge that's meant to entrap Jesus. Now, Pharisees are Jewish religious leaders who made up a very small subgroup of Jews. They were considered to be experts in the law, in Jewish law, and their mission was to extend temple holiness into people. They generally enjoyed support among the common everyday Jewish person. Some among the Pharisees, not all of them, felt threatened by Jesus. He challenged their interpretation of the law and Jesus appealed to their base of supporters. Jesus' threat to those in power, it was nothing new. Our Herodian character wonders, if you remember in the drama, at the rumor that Jesus has been perceived as a threat even since his birth. You probably remember the story of the three magi who arrive in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, Herod did not like that a bit. It challenged his authority. He was the king of the Jews. And all the years since, especially these last few years leading up to our story today, the stories when Jesus was deep in the throes of his ministry and his teaching, reaching out and connecting with people, Jesus has managed to set both the Roman political and the Jewish religious leaders on edge. He challenges both systems. And at the same time, he's gaining in public appeal. So in our story, members from both groups end up teaming up to ca campaign to discredit and even incriminate Jesus publicly by testing or challenging him. It's not that hard for us to picture that these days, right? Given our current political climate, it's stunning sometimes how little some things change over time. It's certainly not new to Jesus. He's been tested before by the master. Satan tests Jesus not once, but three times in our second Bible story today. He does so by discrediting Jesus, by calling into question his identity. He asks Jesus, or he says to Jesus, if, if you are God's son, he says this not once, but twice, then you should be able to turn these stones into bread. You should be able to plummet from great heights and walk away without a scratch on you. Come on, Jesus, prove your authority. And here he is again, Jesus, confronted by those who would challenge his authority. And in this case, his authority to teach or interpret the law. We can all picture ourselves in this story, can't we? I mean, that's what we're doing in this series. During our Lent season together, we are practicing entering into the stories of Jesus' last days to discover how we're being called to be more faithful in light of who Jesus is. Anyone who's ever been in a position of authority knows what it's like to be challenged. 
what it means to be tested, what it means to be open to public criticism. Maybe you're a leader in your friend group or a leader in the community, a supervisor or a manager at work. Many of you in our community, you help advise people on their businesses and their finances, your lawyers, your teachers, you are CEOs or CFOs, your doctors, all positions of great authority. Parents, you know what it means to be challenged, right? You know what it means to have your authority challenged right in the middle of Walmart where God and everybody can see. We have all been called on at one time or another to make decisions or voice an opinion or a teaching that opens you up to public criticism. Take the coronavirus. In the last few weeks, I bet there's not one of us who has not been asked to make a decision while navigating this health crisis that has exposed us to criticism. Important decisions are being made every single day with limited and constantly changing and sometimes conflicting information. And each one of the decisions we make carries risk, has consequences. It can be easy to feel like you're caught between a rock and a hard place. I mean, am I overreacting? Am I underreacting? Will taking this action really help? What will it cost me personally, physically, professionally? What will it cost me socially? Jesus is being asked to navigate between the rock and the hard place that the Jews find themselves in as it relates to paying taxes to Caesar. Does the law allow for people to pay taxes to Caesar or not? That's the question. They're asking Jesus to interpret Jewish religious law as it relates to paying taxes to a foreign occupying empire. Most likely they were referring, they were referring to the head tax, which all males between the ages of 14 and 65 were required to pay. Show me the coin that you use to pay the taxes, Jesus asks. They brought him a denarius or a denarian, depending on which Bible translation you're reading, which was the equivalent of about a day's wages. Now, here's the dilemma for the Jewish people. On the one hand, failure to pay taxes had consequences. It carried penalties. And on the other hand, they were being asked to pay taxes to a man who's claimed divinity with a coin upon which Caesar's image had been engraved along with an inscription claiming or hailing him as son of God. Jewish law prohibits graven images. It was considered to be idolatrous. And the law calls Jews to be loyal or to submit to the authority of only the one true God. Even handling this coin would have felt unfaithful for a Jew and to pay taxes to a man who claims to be divine, even more traitorous. And then to add insult to injury, these taxes would be used to pay for a Roman army meant to keep them subjects of Rome and to pay for temples honoring gods they don't recognize. Talk about a loaded question. Now Jesus, now he's the one stuck between a rock and a hard place. If he says, no, you don't need to pay the taxes, he becomes an enemy of Rome. And we know where that can lead. There's a cross 
down that road. If he says, yes, you are required to pay the tax, he risks alienating his faithful Jewish listeners and followers, many of whom quite understandably resent having Rome occupy their land. And the Pharisees and the Herodians, those who are challenging Jesus, they absolutely know this. They would love to see Jesus both incriminate and publicly discredit himself all in one statement. I don't care what anybody says, Jesus must have parented teenagers because he responds with ninja-like reflexes. So tell me, whose image and inscription are on the coin? Caesar's. Well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. It's brilliant. <laughs> Jesus doesn't answer the question at all. He counters by asking one of, him, one of his own. Now, everyone who is listening, they are challenged to evaluate for themselves. What do I owe Caesar? Even more importantly, what do I owe God? And am I willing to act on my conclusions? Am I willing to make myself vulnerable to the consequences? Can you? They were astonished, our story says. Can you picture yourself in this story? Because Jesus challenges us to. Jesus challenges us to consider what do we owe to whom? And of utmost importance, what do we owe to God? I want you all to write this down. You were invited to have a piece of paper and pen ready. Here's where you'll use it. Today, after the service and later throughout the week, I invite you to reflect on a few things. Talk with your family and friends about it. You can even chat online about it. Here's the questions. What do I owe to whom? What do we owe to God? Our time, our money, our very selves. Jesus challenges, challenges all of us to examine our hearts and to ask whose image is engraved upon it. Amen.